Praise God. I want to read to you an open letter from Jack Hayford and Robert Stearns. It says, Dear Praying Friends, on the first Sunday of October, hundreds of millions of people around the world joined together to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In just a few years, this event has quickly become the largest Israel-focused prayer event in history. But why set aside this day each year to pray for Jerusalem? We set aside this one day each year to raise global awareness and intercession for God's purposes in Israel, knowing that this hour in history is critical and our authority in prayer is great. Though we pray every day for Israel, we seek on this day to unite believers around the world in raising a cry to heaven on behalf of this troubled but strategic land and its people. We believe in God's promises for his beloved nation and fervently pray to hasten the day when he brings fulfillment to his word. Begun in 2002, in meetings with leading political and religious leaders from Israel and the United States, this is now the largest prayer movement of its kind with over 1,000 key leaders within the evangelical Christian world lending their active support. Our vision is for sustained, fervent, and informed global intercession for the plans and purposes of God for Jerusalem and all her people. Our goal, by God's grace, is that we will have 175 participating nations and 300 million believers praying for the peace of Jerusalem. As the Bible said it would, Jerusalem has become a cup of controversy on the global stage today. It's found in Zechariah chapter 12. Right now there are increasing threats from many nations against God's covenant city, and there are escalating tensions surrounding the inhabitants of the land of Israel. And there are ever-increasing global repercussions for all mankind because of the critical situation. As these global challenges arise, however, God is present. His response has been to stir the hearts of Christians from China to Germany and from Kenya to Brazil to raise their voices in fervent intercession with his son on behalf of Jerusalem and all her inhabitants, both Jew and Arab alike. And the question becomes, are you one of those voices? Today is the day. So tens of millions of Christians in literally every corner of the planet are uniting today to pray for the prayer or the peace of Jerusalem. And I don't know if any of you um, tuned in earlier this morning, God TV had this live and Jack Haver and Robert Stearns from Jerusalem and worship going on in prayer. And, of course, the sun comes up earlier there. Right, so it's now gotten to us. But we're invited today. So what I'm going to ask you to do is be uncomfortable a little bit, get into some groups of three or four or five if you need to real quick, and just kind of get together with people and just take a few moments and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's real simple. Amen? Can we do that? Are you willing? Look around. Go look left and right real quick and go, boy, do I know these people? I don't know. Okay? You can stand up, move around, find a place, gather here in the front. But, uh, you know, three to five in a little group and turn around in your chairs and introduce yourselves. And uh, let's just begin to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Okay? Pray for its people. I'll give you some hints here. Pray for its people. Pray for its borders. Protection over the borders from outside attack. Pray for its political leaders. Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, Prime Minister, and pray for the other leaders in Jesus' name.
You know this is a nation that's torn with strife, internal and external, and we intercede for them in the name of Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, that eyes will begin to open and that hearts will begin to be pulled into the very love of Jesus Christ, the Savior of Israel, the Savior of all mankind. Lord, we pray that you will send more and more uh, Christians, believers, evangelical believers to go, not just on tourism events, but to go and to share the good news of Yeshua. God, that you will give them wisdom in their sharing, that there would be no offense. Father, the offense of the cross has come to Israel over the years, and there's a repelling of your son. But we pray for a breakthrough in Jesus' name, a breakthrough in the spirit realm to where the truth can be heard. We pray back the blinders off of the eyes and the hearts of those who have been deceived by Satan as we had been. Well, we pray for them in Jesus' name that the blinders will be pulled off and that they will easily see the truth of salvation. We pray for those political leaders that you'll give them wisdom as we interface with them as a nation. God, that you'll give us wisdom as well and other nations of the world on how to treat this beloved country of yours. Lord, let peace reign. Protect their borders from infiltration and attack. Lord, and those that are under attack, we pray for their peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. As you're returning to your seats, I'll just mention that I'm going to circulate a clipboard on the heart of a great marriage if uh, you're planning to come. Singles are invited, by the way. I don't know if we have a singles price on here, but uh, we'll get you in. Uh, if you're thinking about getting married, this would be a great place to come and uh, see what's uh, what's up on the heart of great marriage. Just circulate that back and forth through the rows. And if you're not signing up, just pass it by. And Oh, good, we borrowed a pen. I'm glad. I'll see. I've got one here that we could have put on there. Sorry. There's one. There's one we can circulate with it. I'm going to, uh, in celebrating lighthouses, you know, if you're visiting with us, we have these groups that meet during the week that's on the back of the bulletin. They meet in different places. And uh, I want to celebrate this Joe Stangle's lighthouse this morning, invite him to come and, and uh, take the next few minutes together. Joe Stangle, lighthouse keeper. Hallelujah. Good morning. How are you? Great. Awesome time at worship this morning. It wasn't it. It was good. Um, we have a celebration today. Um, I'd like to have Leonard come up. And uh, Leonard is a member of our group. And he's been here for, hmm, what, three months now? Three months. And Leonard is going to share with us. Uh, this is the really exciting part about this. All right. He'll sit down. That was a pretty good worship time. This is already, only in three months, this is really new to me. And every Sunday here is like, I see all the backs of your heads. I don't look like this. You want a testimony? My life has changed so much in three months compared to 35 years of being lost. I have a new strength that... I can't have without Jesus and all of you. I'm going to be leaving here tomorrow morning, but like I said, Tuesday was I'm going to different people but the same crowd. I'm going to a church up in Whitehorse, Yukon Territory, 
I'm really excited about that. I don't think I have enough jackets yet, but <coughs> it's going to be cold. But my brother Rick is up there, Pastor Rick. He's a close friend of Pastor Jeff's. And I just feel a great change that's going to keep happening in my life. And all this today when Rob spoke and our last prayer, our last song was, gosh, it just doesn't quit getting better all the time. And I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I came. Three months ago, I was still lost. I'm not even going to tell you about it because a lot of people already know what life's like without God. And and I'm going to miss you all. Pray for me and I'll pray with you. Thank you. Um, three months ago, he literally walked in out off the streets and we met him at the back. And he gave his life to the Lord. Uh, rededicated his life. Um, he's been walking strong since then. Um, he's had his ups and downs, but he is a changed person. And it, it, the transformation is just amazing. The countenance on his face has changed from the first day that he's walked in. And it, his, his whole being is a new person. And it's exciting. And it's, he's um, fed a lot of life into our group just by his exuberance and his enthusiasm. And uh, we're, we're grateful that he's here. He's, he's meant a lot to us uh, as, a, as a family, as a group. And we're going to miss him. Um, so we would like the elders to... I forgot to tell you, I had an answered <laughs> prayer yesterday. My daughter I haven't seen in seven years, and it was 18 years prior to that. But she came yesterday to say goodbye. And she also said that our visit wasn't done. She's coming back today. Yeah. Um, we would like also the, the members of our cell group to come up and um, give our blessings in, on him.
that this is a place for you to work. This is a fruitful field. Lord, we thank you for your provision over his life as he changes locations and he meets new friends. God, surround him with your people. Cause him to take on the life of Jesus inside of him. Galatians 2.20, that the life he now lives is Jesus inside. Pray for it to leak out all over the place and affect many for your kingdom. In that precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I'm going to give him a little, you know, a little tiny lighthouse on a mountain. Because, <laughs> you know, you got to pack light when you're traveling to the Yukon. So I didn't want to give him a great big one. But that's, that's for you, brother. And we love you, man. This one's for Rick. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Hallelujah. Oh, sorry. I told you I'd give you that back. That was great, too. The guys got together and gave him a Bible. And uh, they all signed the inside of it for him. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 4. Some have said that this is the, the book that uh, proves that when we get up in the morning, married couples, that the guys are supposed to make the coffee. So we got an automatic one. I set it up the night before. So as long as we do it, it's okay. All right. Amen. Hebrews. It brews. Yeah. Chapter four. Faith and the heart. This morning, I want to talk to you for a few minutes and talk with you. It would be a lot more fun. But I'll leave that to you and your lighthouses to go over this one. Together, you know, um, uh, my heart just stops me for a moment. Can we pray for Sue just for a minute? Father, Sue's lost her dad. And I pray that you would be her guardian. Lord, that you will surround her with your mighty, loving hands. Lord, hold her. Keep her close to you. Father, answer the questions that are in her heart. Help her with any preparation she needs to make. Lord, above all, I pray that you will just hold her. Minister your grace inside of her. Give her strength. Thank you for her friends that are around her and those that have been praying for her the last couple of days especially. Lord, that you will keep them engaged, that you will cause them to be the undergirding of her life right now, that carry her along on the winds of the Spirit by prayer and supplication and support. Father, send your help from the sanctuary of God this morning, according to Psalm 20. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you. I love you, Sue.
If you've ever lost a parent, you know what we're kind of feeling, maybe. You know, it's uh, not a good time to be walking by yourself. So you just love the body of Christ too. Uh, I remember when I lost my mom. I mean, I think I, I recall the bunch of guys getting around me out there on the patio and saying, "You need to go. Just get out of here. We'll take care of everything." And there was that freedom to to go and do what had to be done without feeling responsibility. And and then even you know you didn't even know which way to go, what direction to turn. It's, it's kind of difficult. <clears throat> so pray for Sue these next couple of weeks, especially. Okay, now I can probably find Hebrews. So I was in the book of Matthew. It wasn't working. 4.12 The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I don't know how much time, so I'm going to probably feel a little rushed. <clears throat> I've got at least an hour's worth of notes, but um, the real trying to get to the just of the matter is that I feel like on this journey of looking at faith all over again after being saved since 1970 and uh, walking with the Lord and even pastoring a church now over 25 years, that when I come to faith, I feel like I'm standing at the door all over again. And I'm knocking on that door and saying, I need to learn about this. It's a little bit degrading inside. And the enemy would love to use it against me and maybe you too to say, well, come on. How long have you been doing this and you don't know anything about faith? It's not that we don't know anything about faith. Amen? It's, just, it's, so, it's so fathomless. It seems there's no bottom to it. That the further you go in God, the more there is to find. And um, I'm discovering that this... This relationship between faith in God and what's happened inside of our heart is so extremely important. And I want to cover some of those things today if I can. The Word of God itself, is it says about itself, and it talks to us and, and discerns itself if we'll read it. It says about itself that it's alive. The word is zao. It just means truly alive. Anything that's alive is growing and changing and processing and moving. You know, right now as you sit, uh, what did we learn in the in the Truth Project that and every uh, minute is it about fifty thousand of your cells are dying inside your body and uh, regenerating a new fifty thousand cells. So by the time you've been here, I know you probably threw a few hundred thousand cells while you were sitting around here this morning and singing and energizing and and uh, life is changing. It's active. It says the word of God is alive and powerful. Other versions say active. The Greek word is energes, which if you spell it out, E-N-E-R-G-E-S, you can easily see the word energy or uh, power, dynamic. The word of God is at work right now. And it is active all the time. And while it is alive and active, it is effectual and effective. It means it's doing something. When it says here in Hebrews 4.12 that it's alive and powerful and that it has the ability to be sharper than a two-edged sword and actually discern between spirit and soul, that's something you and I have a hard time doing. And uh, let me try and do this quickly if you can see uh, 
three levels here. When we talk about ourselves being born, uh, when we're born again, we're, we're made in the image of God from the beginning. That means He's triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you can see it as a triangle that way. And for us, we talk about ourselves as having spirit, soul, and body. You sang just a few minutes ago, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. They're separate. Before you come to Christ, if, and today if you're here and you've not accepted Christ as your Savior, let me just describe the state that you're in. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and 2 that the spirit of you is dead. The spirit part of you is dead. It says it's dead in trespasses of sin. You've offended God. You're not his friend. You're attending his house with his people this morning. But God's wrath sits upon you. And your spirit man is dead in trespasses of sin. Then you have a soul. The spirit, by the way, is pneuma. The soul is suke, where we get the word psychiatry. Psych, suke. The mind, the will, and the emotions. It's the part of you that is in the middle. It's uh, what we call the autonomic nervous system. It's the, the uh, factual part of you that makes you work and function. But the soul is a neutral entity. It takes instructions from outside of itself. And when your spirit man is dead and your soul is looking for direction, the flesh or the body is what gives it direction. So all of your life, you pursue things, as Rob mentioned, when you get in trouble, you run off to things that make you feel better for a little while. You go and search for peace in places where it doesn't exist. And it may be temporary, and you get some satisfaction, and maybe it's, we'll name some of the vices, you know, through drinking or drugs or sex or gambling or, or workaholism, whatever it is, you go and thrust yourself into something to try and escape your problems. While you're there, the little minute pleasure that you receive in your body is logged by the soul. And the soul says, mark that down, we like that. We've been trained by our body and by our carnal nature, our flesh, which drives us. And our soul is taking, like a computer, it's just taking notes. The next time we're in trouble, I hope you can see this because this will help you. The next time we're in trouble... The soul turns on the computer and says, what do we like to do when we're in trouble? Oh, here it is. Here's the registry. It says we go drink. It says we go gamble. It says we go shopping. It says we go. And I hope, ladies, I wasn't looking at anybody in particular <laughs> when I said that. Uh, it's always hard when you name these things where you're looking. You know, your eyes catch somebody just as you're saying something, and they're like, why is he looking at me? And uh, the truth of it is, I'm not sure. <laughs> If I could look at myself, it would be a lot easier. A big mirror on the back wall. But your soul says, we took a note last time that we go and we do this. And the body says, let's get with it. And off it goes. Now, the day you're born again, you realize that your sin has kept you in trespass against God. And you're dead. And your destiny is hell. Come on, it's a real place. Heaven and hell are real. And Jesus does not want anyone to go to hell. God is, His intent is not for anyone to go to hell. The Bible says that he is long-suffering and patient so that all could come to repentance and a knowledge of the truth. And so every person in, on the, alive right now on the face of the planet, God loves them. We know John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So you, when you come to that point, maybe today is your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off till tomorrow. You've got no guarantees. Amen? No guarantees you're going to be alive tomorrow. There's no guarantee you're going to be alive before you go to bed tonight. 
I'm not a very good preacher on this point, you know, but I'm supposed to make you feel really bad right now. <laughs> scared of hell. I'm supposed to scare the hell out of you. Scare heaven into you or something like that. But the day you finally surrender to Jesus, say, Lord, I, I recognize I'm a sinner. I'm distant from you and you're the only Savior and I can only come to you through the person of Jesus because he said that. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except he comes through me. So that's pretty, that's a narrow road, right, that leads to life. And so you say, Jesus, come and forgive me. I repent, forgive me my sin, change my life, draw me into yourself, come and live and take your rightful place on the throne of my heart. The day that happens, Jesus says, you are born again. Why? Your spirit was dead in trespasses of sin. Now, your spirit's being born again. And you're a brand new creation, the Bible says, Second Corinthians 5.17, that all things are of God. Now, this new little fresh spirit of you, this new you, this three-month-old Leonard Turner, that's why I prayed for a, an acceleration of the years in the spirit for him to catch up. God will do that for him. But this three-month-old, this brand new believer is spirit Born and, and is brand new, right? I know I'm being redundant. Forgive me, but. And then comes pressure. Then comes trouble. And the soul says, check the database. What do we do when we're in trouble? It says we go and we drink. Or we go and we do drugs. Or we run off and we hide. And we, we panic and we scream and yell. And we fight and hit and whatever. And, and the spirit says, wait, 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 wait. I've got some new input. I need to tell you that there's peace and love and joy and fulfillment in the in the Holy Ghost and that the, there's grace and mercy to help you in your time of need run to the throne and the and the soul says oh new information and the body is kicking all the way mm-hmm. Romans 7 says there's this fight going on the thing I want to do I never do and the thing I don't want to do I seem to always do and there's this war the Bible says that the flesh is enmity against the spirit there's a fight between the two why because the flesh down here and the spirit here, and the soul's in the middle, and the soul needs retraining. Romans 12.2 says that you need to renew your mind. How do you do that? By the Word of God. You begin to read the Word of God. And why? Because the Word of God is alive and active energy. There's a release of life that comes through the Word of God that actually goes down between and discerns between soul and spirit. And begins to train the spirit and train the soul. So that now the body responds differently. So we're in trouble. What do we do? And it hears a distant, faint call to go do drugs. But the louder voice of the Spirit says we hit our knees. And the body yields to the, to the direction of the Spirit now. You wipe the hard drive of the soul clean and you begin to build it up again with the living and active Word of God. Is this making sense to you? Okay. Now that takes faith. And uh, let, me, let me show you Psalm 119, 105. Very simple illustration here. Psalm 119, 105. One verse out of 150 in this particular, or 100, excuse me, 176 in this psalm. Most of you don't need to look it up, but it says this. Your word is a lamp. Unto my feet and a light unto my path. Real simple. <clears throat> Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Now, today we would think of a flashlight. Okay? And, uh, and I need to know where the next step in life is. 
And it's going to be right in front of me, I hope, or somewhere nearby. It's not a mile away. And so I need a lamp for my feet to be able to see where to go and take the next step. The light to my path, by the way, the lamp is when this word of God, which is alive, this is a fourth dimensional book. I'll come to that in a minute, but it's not a three dimensional book. It's fourth dimension. It's spirit and it's life. That when you're reading this, I'm just looking down at the highlight I have in verse 130. It says, the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. When I don't know what to do next, I say, God, show me a lamp under my feet. Show me what we call the rhema word or the revealed word. Lift it off of the page and make it alive to me. I need a specific word. And it's interesting how God in his grace and mercy can take a passage that seems so obscure and not even connected to anything. But when you read it, it brings the answer you've been looking for. How many times have you done the aha thing? <gasps> aha! You know, like, oh, it overwhelms you. And you're oh, there it is. How did I miss it? I've read this chapter a hundred times. and But I never saw that like that before. That's a rhema. That's a, that's a revealed word from God for your situation. That's the lamp to your feet. That's the active word of God that is alive and full of effective power. And it's going to do something in your life. That's the lamp. The light unto my path is this book. This is what we call the Logos, or the written Word of God. The whole revealed will of God is in this book. And it is the general illumination for life. Every day it still says in here in Exodus chapter 20, Thou shalt not do a bunch of things. Right? It still says static. It's there. It's Logos. It's written. It's there for the general illumination. Like the sun coming up in the morning, it lights up all of life. And if you ever need to know where to go, it's going to be in here. And you can read it, and you can study it, and you can use this, Romans 12, too, that by the, by the Word of God, you can renew your mind over and over, especially if I want to say this for young Christians, for new believers, you need to be reading the Bible. I know it's hard to read in some places. Get a different version. Get a more modern translation. Get a study Bible with a bunch of footnotes and things at the bottom that will help you, but read the Bible. Because it's alive, and it's full of energy, and full of God's power, and it will actually act on you when you're reading it. We need the simplicity of this 105, 119, 105. I need a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God has promised us these things in His Word. Proverbs chapter 4. And while you're looking at 4... I'm going to read to you from the beginning of this book that tells us what this book is for. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, that's me, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we know that the Proverbs are here for all these reasons. Giving understanding to the simple being one of them. So when we come to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, it says this, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your what? 
heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Don't turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. This for me is the main event today because it says this, keep your heart. Keep your heart. Um, you know, we, we, we understand the Bible is written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And so oftentimes we go to the root word in the original language to see if there's some secret or hidden meaning that didn't make it in the English. So the word keep is probably different in various translations of the Bible, but it really means guard. And, and how many of you can do it with me? Above all else. Come on. She taught you. You're good at this. Above all else. Guard your heart. It will. Come on, it's a new international version. I don't know it either. For it affects everything you do. Thank you. Something. Who's got new international Bible? Anybody? NIV. I'm sorry. What's it say? Above all else. Heart. Oh, well, that must be a children's memory verse then that are using over there. <laughs> okay. For it affects everything you do. It'll stay with you anyway. Okay, you do it this way. <laughs> Tell the person next to you. No, don't do it. <laughs> Keep your heart. Maintain your heart. Guard your heart. Protect your heart. Live in obedience to the Word of God. That's included in this word keep. Guard. Protect, maintain, and obey. The word heart, whether it's in Hebrew or Greek or English, is the center of anything. Okay? Various things might come to mind. What's the heart of a target? Well, it's the bullseye. If you cut a tree down that's got a heart in the center of it. If you're eating artichokes, you want the heart. You still want that purple stuff. The center of anything. And when we talk about it in terms of biblical instruction, it means the mind, the will, and the emotions. The center of you. The you of who you are. And this is what we're supposed to guard and protect. I believe that the heart, as the Bible speaks of it generally, and using the word love or cardia, and uh, oftentimes I like this other word that talks about uh, splankna. <laughs> it's just a, I don't know, it's a funny word. It's Greek, splankna. You know, what is a splankna? I don't know, it just sounds funny to me. But it means the whole, the whole seat of your moral capacity to be loving and kind and merciful. Guard that with all vigilance, with all diligence. Maintain it. That means you have to work at it. That means there, if you're maintaining your car, you're stopping it every few thousand miles, draining the oil and put some new stuff in. Because you want it to go 100 or 200,000 miles before it breaks down completely, right? So you maintain it so that it treats you right. 
You have to maintain and guard and protect the heart, the center of your being. That is a, I, I talked about fourth dimensional, the book being fourth dimensional, and your heart is that part of you that is spirit. And let me explain, if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, if you take two points draw a line between them, that's one dimension. If you take and draw a bunch of those lines together, now it's beginning to fill down. you got two dimensions. You've got height and width. If you put a whole bunch of them behind each other, you get into a third dimension. And everything we see around us, uh, life, animals, trees, earth, ground, this thing, this thing, it's all three-dimensional. Everything around us is in the three dimensions. But when you're born again of the Spirit, there's a fourth dimension. It's just that simple. Some would go to the tenth dimension. Einstein would do that. I'm not going to go there uh, because I can't. <laughs> but at least I understand fourth dimension. Fourth dimension is the dimension of the Spirit. For God dwells, and your heart is a fourth-dimensional thing. Your third-dimensional heart is the one that's pumping blood around your body right now while you're sitting there. But the heart that the Bible talks about is a spirit realm. It's a spirit dimension. Now, back through the dimensions. The second dimension, if you have a two-dimensional object, it rules over the first dimension. It's greater than and rules over. If you go to three dimensions, the third dimension rules over the first and second. If you go to the fourth dimension, it rules over three-dimensional circumstances. We're talking about faith and heart. Guard your fourth-dimensional heart with all diligence. I mean, fight for it. Protect it. It's more than mind. It's more than will. It's more than emotions. It's more than this bottom piece of this, the body of your life. It's greater than the soul of your life. Don't let your mind, will, and emotions drive the spirit man. Get the spirit man on top. And guard your heart, that fourth dimensional part of you that communes with God via the Holy Spirit. Live in that dimension. I think that we see Jesus demonstrating this through his life. He walks up. He, he sails his little boat up to the, I think this is Luke chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, to Gadara. And a demonic man meets him. This guy's breaking out of chains, running around the cemetery naked. Nobody knows what to do with him. And he runs up and he begins to say to Jesus, have you come to persecute me before, your, before, before my time? Jesus commands the devil to come out, asks his name on the way out. He says, our name is Legion because there are many of us. And we see a miracle of deliverance. Now that is not a third dimensional program. That isn't something you can arrange with your mind and get logic wrapped around and say, I understand it, I I feel it, I touch it, I, I get it, I know it. Watch this. That's a fourth dimensional lifestyle where you're drawing life in the spirit and it's spirit over spirit. It's God's spirit over demonic spirit. And you can see that the authority is in the fourth dimension to take dominion over those things that are under Jesus' feet. Am I going too far? Jesus is crucified, buried, resurrected for our sins. He, he, he ascends to the right hand of the Father. <clears throat> and now you got Peter and John on the way up to the, uh, the temple at the hour of prayer. And there lays a man who's been 40 years 40 years lame, right? That means Jesus has walked by him because he'd been, the Bible says he was laid at the gate every day to beg. During Jesus' lifetime, he must have been laying there begging. But Jesus didn't heal him. 
Now Peter and James, Peter and John, those two guys. <coughs> it's hard for me to say Peter and John without saying Peter and James and John and doing that. So they're walking up, and the man says he's begging from, and they say what? Silver and gold we don't have. What you're looking for is third dimensional stuff. We don't have that. But what we do have moves across the line into the fourth dimension and rules over your three-dimensional circumstances. And in the name of Jesus, what we have, we give to you. Rise up and walk. And a miracle takes place. The fourth dimension rules over the three-dimensional life of this man and his flesh takes on new life that he can't manufacture. They can't give him unless it's through the person of Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit. Am I out of line? I feel like on some of these subjects I get on an edge. And then when you start looking at me like I'm going to fall off the edge, I I get a little concerned. (laughs) You're here to protect us. The part of me that determines who I am and what I do is called the heart in the Bible. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it comes the issues of life. Zao. The same life. That Hebrews is talking about when it says the word of God is full of life and powerful. Guard your heart. Out of it comes this life. This heart of you, this center of you, is connected to Jesus Christ. It's filled by the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian and you've asked him to fill you with the Spirit, he's come and resided in you. You have a supernatural life that's beyond three dimensions. Oh, sometimes I want to just close everything off. Close off the eye gate. Close the ears. Not touch anything. Don't smell or taste it. And say, now let's move in a dimension that's above the natural. Let's bring heaven to earth. And let's see things change. I see miracles in the Bible. I think they're for today. But we're not seeing many around us. Let me ask a question. I won't make you stand up or do anything with it. Have you ever seen a miracle? That is an unexplainable event that can only be attributed to God. Okay? I think we've gotten kind of relaxed in the moment of saying in the church kind of that, you know, those things happen every now and then. They're sort of sporadic. Whenever God seems to wake up and decide to do something, it happens, and then we all go, wow. But don't expect it every day. We're, we're, we're relaxed. We're kind of asleep at the wheel. God has given us the spirit dimension to live in now. How else am I going to have abundant life in this planet? I can have abundant life and not have enough money. Come on. I can have abundant life and not even be making my bills. You can have joy, peace, and grace, and mercy, and all the things that are, that are bountiful in God and free-flowing in the Spirit. I believe that when those things start happening in our life, the rest of it will come along. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and the rest of it gets added on. But when our focus is on, I don't have enough money. When, I mean, I, I think it's time for us to change the circumstance in the fourth dimension. To begin to agree with what the Bible says, which is alive and active, effective, and at work right now. And begin to speak what it speaks. And understand that God has put you and I on the earth in place this is a, I'm going to hang, I'm going to dangle over the edge now. Ready? I might fall. Catch me if I go. He's put us in his place on the earth. I just untied my shoe. 
by stepping on my little string. I don't want to fall down. Do you think I was going over the edge? He went, he went. Let's go through a sample of Proverbs real quick. If I don't stick to my notes, I might get in trouble. That's okay, I'm going on vacation tomorrow. So you wouldn't be able to find me. Proverbs 10. What are the Proverbs for? Make us wise. Right? Simple. Show us understanding. Break new wisdom upon us. Let's listen to this, this number of verses here. Proverbs 10.11. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Flip over to 13, verse 3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. <laughs> let it fly. You ever heard that phrase? Just let it fly. Sometimes our mouth opens and stuff just flies out. I'm quoting Greg Musser. He says that you have to put that stuff through the shut up filter. <laughs> you need some stuff to go through the shut up filter. <laughs> Amen. I really like that. I told him I wish I'd have had that when the kids were growing up. He who guards his mouth has a shut up filter, preserves his life. Ooh, are you seeing the connection between the heart and the mouth? What did Jesus say? Out of the abundance of the the mouth speaks. Hey, if I guard my heart and I retrain my heart in the spirit realm and I retrain my mind, will, and emotions, the soul of man here in the center, then my flesh will come into submission to the spirit. And when that thing happens, uh uh-huh, well, I, I wish I had a great illustration. I always think of construction in these moments because when you work on those construction sites, before they had nail guns, they were using those big giant hammers of, you know, and the guy would miss the nail and hit the other nail, the one on his thumb. And you could hear all kinds of stuff come flying out of the face. And I remember the first time that I did that after being saved, that there was this choking effect. Huh? And a struggle was ensuing between the spirit man and the flesh. And the soul was saying, let it fly. And the spirit man came out with, and it was it's kind of odd, but I began to scream, praise God. And in my mind I thought, why am I praising God for this bloodied up digit on the end of my hand? But it was a better alternative than the blue streak. And uh, so you began to go, oh, Jesus, I love you. <laughs> Hallelujah. That is just so awesome. You are the healer. You are the savior. I am just so glad I know you because my I'm going to guard my lips. And I'm going to preserve my life because I'm guarding life. I'm guarding Zao. I'm, I'm guarding Zoe, I'm guarding life in the spirit by guarding my mouth. It's a very practical application, isn't it? Meathead. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that comes from a different joke a long time ago. 
It's it's a it's a ad for a book. This gal wrote. She said, "I'm on the cover." Something that says, "This book says it'll help. It'll help us talk better." What do you think, meathead? She's talking to her <laughs> husband, you know. And I thought, "Oh my gosh, what a sample." Twenty-one, twenty-three Proverbs is a kind of a companion verse. Twenty-one, twenty-three. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Fifteen twenty-eight. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. Sixteen twenty-three and four, just across the page. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth, and adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Interesting in these two verses for me, as you see, spirit. Soul and body, all three. The heart of the wise, the center of my being, teaches my mouth how to speak and adds learning to my lips. And those become pleasant. The pleasant words are like a honeycomb, which is a sweetness to the soul, the mind, will, and the emotions, and health to the bones. That's your body. We get this thing in order... We have life in our heart. Our speech begins to bring life and beget life. If you were to go, and I'm going to just quickly say this, you can write it down, Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, says in the last days that God's going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Your old men are going to dream dreams, and your young men are going to see visions. This is a quick snapshot of the language of the Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit talk to us? Prophetically, yes. Dreams and vision, yes. And, of course, those have to be qualified by the Scripture, right? By the Word of God. But the language of the Spirit is fourth dimensional. He communes with our spirit man. And in the last days, he says, I'm going to make it available to everybody to prophesy. Whoa, there's another edge to live on. To prophesy simply means to, and I I wrote this down so I'd say it correctly, and I'm not trying to lower a gift of prophecy or the office of the prophet or futuristic prophetic utterance. I'm not speaking of those things. I'm talking about you and I, the average Christian. And I think we're probably most of us below average right now. But the average Christian, the standard of Christian living should be speaking in agreement with a living word, which for me equates to a prophetic moment where I'm declaring and bringing God's viewpoint into earthly matters. Go with me here. Silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have, we'll give you. And we're going to prophesy right now. We're going to go into alignment with what the Spirit says. Jesus the healer, Jesus the redeemer, Jesus the miracle worker who left the earth and said, greater things than these shall you do because I go to the Father. They turn with all of this endowment of the Spirit and speak prophetically in alignment with God's will and kingdom. And they simply say, rise and walk. And it happens. That's faith and the heart. That's the two getting married 
an understanding that we live above three-dimensional circumstances. The language of the Spirit is prophecy. The Spirit of prophecy speaking life where there isn't any. Remember last week, God spoke. Then we saw it. Then he called it. God's out of his life speaks things into existence. Now, I know I have to end here, and I don't want to. And I'm not going to. (laughs) I may stop talking and you'll get to go home, but I am on a quest to live by the Spirit. And I'd love for us all to go along together and begin to change the three-dimensional circumstances of life in a balanced way. Not talking about Christian voodooism, okay? Where we say, hey, you know what? I've got power in the spirit and I'm just going to speak, you know, and just start thinking things up. I'm talking about coming alongside of the Holy Spirit, coming alongside the living word of God and seeing what it says, having my mind renewed, my mind, will, emotion captured by the living spirit of Jesus in me and beginning to speak like he speaks and guard my lips, guard my mouth and let my heart, my spirit man, train my mouth how to speak and then begin to speak in agreement and alignment with his kingdom in my life and in yours. And then when I can come back to some of the promises of God with a new view, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. Now, love, you know, the name it and claim it faith movement would say, just grab that verse and work it hard. You know, just say it all the time, say it all the time, say it all the time. My God will supply. But they leave out the verses ahead of it. Where it says, Paul says, because you've been involved in supporting me as a, as a, as a traveling minister, because you have been so aligned with the will of God in advancing the gospel, and you've taken out of what you've had and made it available to me in processing the kingdom business, because of your alignment with all of that, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. It's not just a magic word, right? But when I come back to the verses and say, can I... Can I bring that? Is my life in a line? Am I, am I walking in this? Am I advancing the kingdom? Am I a tither? Am I a giver? Am I supporting missions? Am I advancing the kingdom? Yes, I am. I answer the question. Hopefully for you it's the same. Yes, I am. I know I am. Therefore, I'm going to begin to prophesy in agreement with his word that I'm never, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Amen. Uh, He is my provider. He is Jehovah driver for me. We're in relationship, God and I. And the spirit in me, the heart of me, is walking with him. I just see Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But the life I now live, not mine. It's the life of Jesus in me. Boy, this is going to... We're talking about stepping up a notch in living. And even in the worst conditions... You know, when hell throws its best, you can stand and say, man, life is really bad right now, all around me. But in the midst of it, I'm living in the Spirit. I've got joy, peace, grace, mercy. And even if they kill me, right? Even if they take my life, I've got eternal life. You can't stop me. I'm going somewhere and it's in God. Okay, I'm done, right? Everybody say, you're done. You didn't say it like you meant it. 
Don't encourage me. (laughs) Think like God thinks. (laughs) Believe like God believes. And speak like God speaks. Hey, would things change in your house? If that was the rule, that was the law, the rule of law in your home. Tell on the kids one more time. We said, I mentioned this last night. It's not entirely out of context, but one of them came running up and said, they said the SH word. And I thought, my house? Where'd they learn that? Probably at the church. (laughs) So where we hung out. So homeschoolers and church, that was it. So they had to learn it at home or at school. I knew they didn't learn it at home. And all this is rushing through my mind. I'm going, what am I going to do? So the SH word. <laughs> then we found out they meant shut up. Because we had made it the rule of law at our house that we don't use. We don't say shut up to people. Now it's kind of a popularized thing. Oh, shut up. You know, valley, valley girl or something. It's a different language group, but... But at that time, it was, uh, we, don't, we don't say that to people. And somebody had said it, and the other one came running to rat them off. So they used the SH word. Well, I was freaking out in my mind. What am I going to do with this? And where did they learn it? And who do I have to separate it from? I found out it was the shut up thing. That's a simple illustration to say this. What if the rule at your house was living in the Spirit and speaking in agreement with God all the time? The atmosphere would change. Amen. The enemy would not like hanging around your house. The devourer would be nowhere in your neighborhood. When you're driving down your street, and I'm practicing this, for those of you that live on my block, you're blessed. Because when I drive home, I'm taking dominion in Jesus' name. I'm saying there's peace in my neighborhood. There's grace in my neighborhood. There's salvation in my neighborhood. And I'm just waving at all the houses. They think I'm waving at them. I'm saying he's right there, right there, and right there, and right there. I'm taking control of my neighborhood, especially the dogs. (laughs) I haven't won the victory on the dogs yet, but I'm going to get them. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, which you know now is active and alive and powerful and it's fourth dimensional. It's above three dimensions. It's dynamic. It's doing something all the time. Faith comes by hearing this. Hebrews 5 says that we should practice this. And 1 Timothy chapter 4 says that we can have our spirit man exercised and that it profits forever. Bodily exercise profits for a little while. All of us can say amen to that, right? Or oh me, one of the two. But spiritual exercise lasts forever. Hear it, practice it, exercise it. And I think things are going to get better. Father, this morning your word is truth. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lord, I understand more and more and I thank you for revelation. And I pray for more of it. But I understand more and more that your, your word is, is quivering with power. It's not just pages and pages of ink and paper. It's life all who find it. And for the, your, 
your family here this morning and those listening uh, via the website. God, I pray that revelation will come to our hearts, our hearts, the fourth dimensional piece of us, and that our minds will be renewed by the revelation of your word. And that our bodies will come into alignment and we, spirit, soul, and body, in perfect alignment, will live fourth dimensionally in faith. Guarding and protecting and maintaining the center of our being, our heart, with all diligence. So that the issues that come out are, in fact, life. Help us to guard our mouth. To put on the shut up filter. To govern over the things, help our hearts train us and help us study how to give an answer in every situation so that we're not just flying off half-cocked or half-baked with the old things we used to know. Teach us the mind of the Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed and be